What's up, everybody? This is Justin Flinter coming to you live from Northern Virginia with the Justin Flinter Podcast by My Mentor Medicine. This is part two of the five treasures of acupuncture. And in this week's podcast, we're going to focus on the next substance, which is blood. So last week, we talked about the different types of chi, what chi is, how it works in the body. And this week, we're going to focus on how blood is not only formed, but how it moves throughout the body, what organ systems are responsible for that. So again, this is one of the five treasures. It's what I'm calling it. There are three treasures in oriental medicine, but what I am referring to it here as the five main substances or the five treasures. These are the substances that acupuncturists will typically focus on when they are treating their patients. Let's move right into this. So blood, I want you to remember that what I am speaking of here is not simply the red liquid substance that flows throughout your body. There are different components in oriental medicine that make up the substance of blood. So last week we talked about chi, the different forms of chi that are in the body, the different functions of the different types of chi. And blood is also, just like every other part of your body, every action, every sensation, everything that is a part of you is some form of chi. This particular type or substance, this type of chi is a very dense form of chi. And we usually refer to that as a type of yin substance. So blood is a yin substance in the body, given that it is so dense and it is a dense form of chi. So it has formed throughout the process of uh, taking in food into the body and forming it into a specific type of chi, moving through different organ systems, and then eventually becoming this substance that flows throughout that provides nourishment and other related functions to the rest of the organ systems of the body. So chi is in fact needed not only for its formation, but chi is the one thing that provides the force that allows blood to move. Without the chi allowing the blood to move or providing that force for it to move, then the blood would just sit there inside of your vessels. It wouldn't move. It would not be pumped. It would not reach to the other extremities of the body carrying all of the necessary nutrients that come with it. It would just sit there, literally, in your vessels, be stagnant, not moving, just resting there. Without the action and the energetic force coming from qi, blood will stay there. So we need the qi in order to help move the blood through the vessels. And we need to also take a look at what are the organ systems that are responsible for the manufacturing of blood. So the organ systems that help to create blood, if you remember last week, we talked about something called gu qi. Gu qi is a form of qi that comes from, if you also remember this, the spleen organ system. So this is developed within the spleen and it comes from the different types of food that you ingest, so food and drink, and then it transforms it into a usable substance for your body. 
This qi is then sent through various organ systems that ultimately ends up into the substance of blood. But without the spleen's initial action on the food that transforms it into a usable substance or a usable form of qi, we cannot create blood. So the other organ systems that come after the spleen that are responsible for the manufacturing of blood are the lung system as well as, of course, the heart. And along that pathway of the formation of blood, we need to interact with a different type of qi as well. And that particular type of qi is your original qi, your yuan qi. So this basically puts a stamp on your blood that says this blood belongs to this person. Within your original qi, if you remember our discussion last week, that type of qi carries the essence of you who you are as an individual. So that last formation of qi comes at the end of the stage of the formation of blood, whereby that stamp is placed upon it and then it becomes yours. So your blood is unique to you. Now, just like in Western medicine, we also have a function related to the organs called the kidneys. So the kidneys help with the, let's see, uh, if we can draw a connection to Western medicine. In Oriental medicine, the kidneys are connected to the structure of the bones. So in Western medicine, we know that in the bones, there is the process of erythropoiesis that begins using the marrow within the bones that helps to form blood cells. So similar to this, there is a connection in Oriental medicine where the marrow that is created throughout the process of, um, let's see, the creation of a human being, we'll just leave it at that for now. The bone marrow is formed, but there are other forms of marrow as well that circulate throughout the body, but the bone marrow is used in the making of blood. So the kidneys will help to provide this type of yuan qi, this yuan qi, this original qi, that helps to transform this nutritive qi or gu qi, this type of qi that circulates up into the area of the lungs and the heart and then eventually becomes the blood. So we have multiple, the point here is we have multiple organ systems involved in this process. If we come to look at the functions of blood. Let's see what kind of differences there are here between Western and Eastern. We'll focus on the Eastern side. So the blood is obviously responsible for making sure the rest of the body has everything that it needs, all of the nutrients. And the term that we like to use is nourishment, so that the rest of the body is nourished. That is one of the functions of blood. Again, earlier in this podcast, I mentioned that it is a yin type of substance, and it helps to make sure that the other areas of the body do not suffer from a lack of yin. So if yin substances are, tend to be more dense, then that most likely refers to the fact that they are lubricated. There is some kind of liquid substance that helps to make sure they are moisturized or lubricated. In the areas that need this, so they do not become dry, would be something like your eyes. 
the sinews of the body, so the connective tissue, your tendons and your ligaments, connective tissue, the skin, your hair, these types of areas or these types of parts of your body, when they become dry, we know that that will adversely affect us and our health. Another function of blood in our body helps to make sure that, and this is very different from the Western sense, that our mind functions properly. Now, not just because of circulation. If we have a lack of circulation to the brain, we know that will lead to, obviously, some pretty catastrophic situations. We don't want that to happen. But the other thing that is unique to Oriental medicine is that this type of blood, this mind that sort of exists within the blood, we call it Shen, which we're going to leave for another one of the substances that I will discuss later on. This mind that sort of circulates throughout the blood or is held within the blood, we call the blood the house of the mind. So this Shen or this mind that uh, is sort of riding along that helps us to function uh, properly in terms of a uh, mental perspective, the blood is considered to be the mind of the person only because it houses the mind. When the blood is harmonized, the mind has a residence. That is one of the phrases that you will find uh, in Oriental textbooks. When blood is harmonized, the mind has a residence. So when the blood becomes disturbed, let's think about that for a second. How might the blood become disturbed? Well, someone who has high blood pressure. For example, someone who has high blood pressure, maybe the heart rate increases, the uh, quality of the vessels is then ultimately changed, which will, in the end, affect how the blood is circulated. So in this case, we can think of the blood as being in a state of disharmony. So when the blood is in a state of disharmony, the mind is then ultimately affected as well. And that can be true. If you're out in the summer, and it's really, really hot, like it has been recently here in the DC area, you know that that might make you feel either a little bit tired, a little bit confused, suffer from things like heat stroke, for example. It can affect how you function, it can affect how you think, it can affect how you act. So when the blood is disturbed, which is another way to think of it, when the blood is disturbed, the mind does not have a residence. So this is one of the unique perspectives of blood that you can see through the lens of oriental medicine. Let's talk a little bit about some of the organ systems that are related to the substance of blood. The main one, which we say governs blood, is of course the heart. Now that makes sense from both sides of the river. So the heart is the one that governs the blood as well as the vessels of the body the body so that means that the circulation that occurs within your body is ultimately affected by the quality and the health of the heart for those of you who are familiar with the pulses that we take when we're checking our patient's health and doing our diagnostics the 
pulse of the heart we know is in the left tun position, which is, for those of you who are not familiar with where that is, if you look at your left wrist and around the area that is on the side of the wrist where your thumb is, and that would be uh, not the area of the arm that has a hair, most of the hair, it's on the opposite side, so the palmer side. If you're looking at their left arm, your left wrist, it's close to the base of your thumb where it meets your wrist. We call that area the left tun position. And also, the left pulses are more related to the substance of blood. So acupuncturists out there, the tang organ systems on the left pulses, the tun guan and the chi, those pulses in some systems, for example, the chi position, we know might be either just the kidney pulse, the tang, and then the right pulse in the true position would be pericardium. But other systems look at the pulses as the kidney yin being the true position or the most proximal position of the pulse on the left wrist. So kidney yin. Now, the other two are, of course, the heart and the liver. So the heart, the liver, and kidney yin, remember blood being a yin substance. So the left twin left guan and left chi, the left pulses are more related to the substance of blood. And that means the right pulses are more related to the substances, substance of qi. Another thing that can help you to determine what is going on with the quality of blood, and this also relates to the heart organ system, is the complexion. So how one's complexion is. Now, of course, if someone is white in the face, they may... A they may possibly be anemic, or they may, of course, be suffering from something like shock. So when the complexion changes to either a very, very bright red or to a very bright white, for example, we know that there is something going on with the circulation. And in Oriental Medicine, we want to look immediately to the health of the heart. The blood substance also in connection with the heart will determine the health and the strength of one's constitution. So them as an individual, remember I said the last form of qi that interacts with the formation process of blood is the one that is your stamp. The one that says this is your blood. This is you. It is unique to you. So this formation or this stamp that occurs in the process of forming your blood is the one that says this is your constitution, this is who you are as an individual. So all of this happens within the vessels, within the heart, uh, and will eventually circulate throughout your body. The other organ system that is related to the substance of blood and is considered to be the origin of blood is the spleen. And why would that be? Well, that is because, as I mentioned last week and as I mentioned earlier, that gu qi is the type of qi that is required to initiate the process of the formation of blood. So the spleen may not necessarily be directly involved in the, uh, we'll say, reddening of the blood, the, the stage where it becomes that red substance and then eventually circulates throughout, but it is, of course, the first in the process. It is the origin. One of the other functions of spleen, for those of you who are familiar with the functions of spleen, is that it is 
the one that holds things. So last week we also talked about how qi is responsible for holding things in place. So it helps to hold the blood in the vessels. In order for your blood to circulate, we need the qi that helps to push it along, but we also need a specific type of qi that holds it within the vessels so that it doesn't leave the vessels. Now, how, how might that happen? Well, maybe blood pressure rises, the body gets super duper hot, and then you have uh, just random bleeding in certain areas of the body. So little red spots on the skin uh, or actual bleeding that will occur. This bleeding that occurs, ab that occurs abnormally is a result of the spleen not performing its function properly. The third organ system that we can talk about in relation to the substance of blood is the liver. And the liver is responsible for storing blood. Now this is somewhat similar to Western medicine as well. So the liver likes to hold things, it helps to purify blood, etc. I mean, that's one of the organs involved in that process, but it has a specific connection to the liquid, the red liquid substance in your body. The liver in oriental medicine, responsible for storing blood, but it also helps to regulate the volume of the blood throughout the entire body. So throughout your entire body, every part of your body requires a specific amount of blood. Think about it. If you have too much blood in your feet, I imagine you would feel that. If you have too much blood in your head, I imagine you might feel that as well. So there are specific volumes of blood that are required in certain areas, and that is the responsible of the liver the responsibility of the liver organ system. When you are active, this is another function of the liver in relation to blood. When you are active, the blood is obviously moved to the areas that require more nourishment during the period of activity. That makes sense, right? Your muscles and the connective tissues, they need the blood in order to help you sustain whatever it is that you are doing. That helps with endurance. When it is inactive or when the organ system of the liver is inactive, the blood moves away from those tissues and comes back to the liver. So it may move away from those specific regions that require more blood and then move back into its normal state. Because remember, we're not just talking about the liver itself. It's the entire body and how much blood those specific regions require. The liver also has a direct connection to your eyes, which means that how well you see and the quality of the moisturization of the eyes. So when your eyes become dry, when you start to see floaters, when your vision is poor, that means that there is a problem in that specific organ system. The liver also has a connection to the reproductive organ systems of the body as well, specifically the uterus. So if there is an issue in terms of reproduction, we could look directly to the liver because of this connection to the uterus. Now, of course, that is only applying to women here. And in men, it also connects directly to the genitalia of the men. So the channel traverses these particular parts of the body. Uh, and there is a direct connection for women only because of the process of menstruation uh, and the formation of a different type of blood, which we call menstrual blood.
The lungs and the kidneys also have a connection to the substance of blood. The lungs, as I mentioned earlier, are along the process of the formation of blood, but the kidneys also have that particular moment in time where they bring that original form of chi that comes up and then becomes a part of your blood, and that is what turns you, your blood, into your blood. So it becomes yours. It becomes your type of constitution. It becomes a representation of who you are. That is what circulates throughout your body. And, as I mentioned earlier, this menstrual blood, this menstrual blood is a different form of blood than the blood that we're talking about in terms of the other organ systems and what they are creating and just being normal for, say, the functions of your muscles to perform their jobs. This menstrual blood is a, is a specific type of blood that is helped uh, in terms of formation by the organ system of the kidneys. And it is particularly called, in Chinese, we call it Tian Gui. So let's do a quick recap of blood. It has a number of different functions in the body. It has a particular method of being formed, and it also has several relationships between itself and the qi, which we talked about last week. So qi is one thing that helps to obviously create the blood. So the gu qi, which I mentioned earlier, which comes from the spleen. We also have qi being responsible for helping to move the blood. So we need that energy. We need that push within and behind the blood to say, hey, we need you to go to this organ system because that's the next on the road. We need you to get off at this exit and go to this particular location. We need you over there. So when qi moves, blood will follow. And when qi stagnates, blood will begin to congeal. This is another phrase that comes uh, pretty often in Oriental medicine textbooks and also within the classics. So we need blood for, or we need qi for blood to move, and when qi doesn't move, blood will also start to become stagnant or congeal, if you will. Qi is also responsible for keeping the blood within the vessels, and also here's another aspect in terms of a relationship between blood and qi. Blood helps to nourish. Qi. So qi needs a specific nutritive aspect or part of blood for it to uh, complete its role. Therefore, in Oriental medicine, we consider blood to be the mother of qi. Isn't that interesting? So they need each other. One helps the other. When we treat the substance of blood in the body, there is a unique collection of points that we refer to as the sea of blood. And those three points, for those of you who are familiar with acupuncture points, are bladder 11, stomach 37, and stomach 39. These three points. Now, why the bladder, bladder 11 specifically, and why the stomach? Well, in this case, bladder 11 has a direct connection that, uh, that is made with the chongmai. 
or the penetrating vessel, which is the one vessel that is specifically responsible for the blood that circulates throughout the rest of the body. It is an extraordinary vessel, or one of the eight extraordinary vessels, and it holds a vast amount of blood inside of it. And this is one of the seas of blood. So this bladder 11 point is one of the ones that taps directly into it. The other two points are considered to be the location where this extraordinary vessel emerges. So stomach 37, stomach 39. It is also a place where the uh, Yang Ming channels, so if those of you who are familiar with this collection of channels, which is the stomach and the large intestine, the Yangming channels have an abundant amount of qi and blood within them. So not only do these three points connect directly to this extraordinary vessel, but the stomach channel itself is one of the Yangming channels, which means that in order for us to create blood, we also need qi behind it. In order for us to create qi, we also need blood. Remember, blood is the mother of qi. And qi is the one thing that helps to uh, form blood, but also to move blood, hold it in its place, etc. So we have these multiple functions that are occurring from one to the other. And if we need more of it, we have to go to the location where we can find it. And that is, number one, this extraordinary vessel we call the Tongmai, or the penetrating vessel, as well as the Yangming channels. So this wraps up our talk about the second substance in this series of five treasures. Blood is a very, very, very unique substance. It does even more than what I'm giving you in this podcast, but I'm trying to brush on some of the uh, main functions, the main responsibilities, and things that you can look for whenever it is that you are treating your patients. So remember that there is a specific process for the formation of blood. So if somebody doesn't have enough, you'll know which organ systems you can investigate. And if it is not the fact that the person does not have enough blood, or maybe it's the maybe there's an issue with the circulation. So if there are circulatory problems, the person comes in and says that they have been diagnosed with a specific issue within their circulatory system, that means that we can look along this particular function or the organ systems that connect to this function within blood and the circulatory pathways. So maybe there's not enough qi pushed through. Maybe it's stagnant. So there might be an issue with a different substance, the substance of qi, rather than the substance of blood. Maybe blood is just adversely affected because of it. This is an important point because a lot of people will look immediately to the where there's an issue. For example, if someone is anemic, it could be that, oh, there's not enough blood in this person's system, when in fact you measure the pulses and you find that, oh, these organ systems on the left pulses are in fact functioning properly. But there seems to be some kind of stagnation in the system. Perhaps that is showing as a lighter complexion in the face or other areas of the body. So the blood substance itself, just like qi, is formed in a certain way. And if we are trying to diagnose a specific issue related to that substance, we have to look, number one, at both ends. How is it formed? How is it being moved? What is going on in terms of all of these processes? 
and at which point do we notice an, a, uh, an area that we might be able to provide a bit of assistance? Where can we focus our treatment? So that wraps this up for today's podcast on the second substance in this series of five, the five treasures of acupuncture. And that is it for blood. Last time was chi, this time blood. Next one, you'll find out. So stay tuned for the third substance in the five treasures of acupuncture. That's it for this podcast. I'm Justin Flinner, and this is the Justin Flinner Podcast by My Mentor Medicine. I'll talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by My Mentor Medicine, an organization that is dedicated to helping people improve their lives by learning to empower themselves and take control of their own life. Any form of reproduction or distribution of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Should you have any questions on using this podcast or information that is contained within this podcast, please write to info at mymetromedicine.com.